Well, good morning again. I want to talk to you this morning about something that uh, you or I, we don't deserve. We never have deserved it. We never will deserve it. Yet God gives it freely to those who love him. God gives it to those who know him. And that's simply grace. You know what grace is, right? It's that, that thing we don't deserve, but we get it anyway. That's what God did for us as Christ died on that cross. I've been studying um, grace for a little while since we've, many of you know I teach the Bible study at camp, and I'm proud to tell you that as we leave to head to camp, um, Monday with our preteeners, there are about 520 signed up right now in that camp. And so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and be in prayer over that and be in prayer for me as we, the theme for that is branded by grace and Cherie brought me some brands today. So I might get to brand some kids while I'm at camp. Um, that's not a tattoo, is it? It's just a brand. Um, I think their parents will be okay with it. We're going to, um, but I get to teach all 520 of those people a third at a time the Bible study, and I'm very blessed to be able to do that, and to this whole thought of grace has been on my mind. And when I, when I think of grace, I can't, there's one scripture that continues uh, to pop out in my mind, but I want to give you a thought. I want you to just picture this in your head, because for me, it is the absolute most amazing thought of what grace is. But I want you to just think, just clear your mind for a minute and begin to think of King David and all his royalty. King David sitting in his chair, getting ready for an evening meal. His, his kids are there. Absalom, who they, you know, some say, I don't know what he looks like. Some say he's all tanned up and, and wonderfully look, looks great. Kind of like me, I think. Um, then his daughter, Tamar, she's there. They say she's beautiful. She's there, and, and they're in this great palace. They're in this wonderful banquet hall and getting ready to, to have dinner. And, and all of, you look around, and you see all the gold and the bronze and the massive wood ceilings and the, the wonderful, just majestic atmosphere that is there. But David says there's something missing. And then you hear it, that thump and that scrape of the floor. The thump and the scrape. Coming up the hall, one more member of David's family. One more who holds a very special place. We understand that Absalom should be there. We understand that Tamar should be there and the rest of the family. And we understand royalty and he is the king but there's a young person, a young crippled Mephibosheth, that is coming to the table to eat with David. To me, that is the most wonderful story of grace, because if you know anything about that time, you know that when King David took over, what he was supposed to do, what was normal for a king to do, is destroy all of the inhabitants that were from the prior king. 
destroy all the family members of the prior king. But yet David, Jonathan's, his wonderful friend Jonathan, had a son, and, and he was left. There was one person in Jonathan's household that he wanted to do something very special for, and he brings him in. Let me just read for you, if you will. If you would stand in honor of reading God's Word. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Second Samuel chapter 9, and starting in verse 6, David is sent from Mephibosheth, and here he has come to him. It says, Mephibosheth has the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. At this point, Mephibosheth thinks he is about to die. And David said to him, do not fear, for I surely, I will surely know show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore you all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly. He says in verse 8 again he prostrated himself and, and said what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him all that belonged to Saul and to his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a, a young son whose name was Micah, and, and all who lived in that house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now, he was lame in both feet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful that you love us. Father, we need you now more than we ever have to give us strength, to give us power. But Father, today, if you could just give us a glimpse of that love, give us a glimpse of the grace that you poured out on us Father, help us to, to stay strong within that grace. Father, we love you and we thank you. And I pray it's your word that they hear and not my own. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not going to preach on Mephibosheth, but I couldn't speak of grace without telling you that story because to me again as I said it's the most amazing story of grace someone who should be dead someone who's crippled someone who should never be a part of the king's table was invited in and given a place as a son at that table 
Folks, that's grace. That's God pouring grace out on his people. It's a wonderful thing. I want to answer two questions for all of us today. What is grace and, and how do we get it? So let me answer the first, what is grace? In the Hebrew, that word is kesed. Or if you're a real Hebrew scholar, it's chesed. You've got to get that throat cleared when you say it. In Greek, it's charis, and they mean the same. It is a steadfast love and compassion for or from a more powerful person to a less powerful person. We saw that with David and Mephibosheth, and we see that in God. It is God who provides the grace that he pours out on us who are not deserving of that grace. But that's what grace is. We do not deserve it. It's getting what we don't deserve. JT and I were talking in my office this morning and a lot of times people put grace and mercy in the same thing, but mercy is a little different, isn't it? Where grace is pouring out from God's sovereignty, grace pours out this love and compassion for you when you don't deserve it. Mercy is he's holding back everything you do deserve. See the difference there? As I'm going to talk to these young people this week, we're going to talk about what grace is. We're going to talk about being branded by grace, how God seals us and brands us by his grace. And then we're going to talk about kind of a fun thing, riding for that brand. Right? If you hadn't guessed, the whole theme's cowboy. I finally get to wear my cowboy hat and my kids are not laughing. Maybe some, I was going to get the whole, what do you call them? Chaps, but I can't find any short enough for me. So if anybody wants to hook me up before tomorrow, we'll just go from there. Maybe I'll just wear an apron. And... Let me give you some descriptions of grace. Here's the first, and I'm going to give you, uh, this is a little different sermon today, but as I said, it came out of my just gleaning different things. So I want to just give you some terms and, and some scripture references. So we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. Uh, if you want to write these down. But here's the first thing, first description uh, we see of grace in Romans 5.21. And that it's sovereign. Romans 5.21 says that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace might reign, is sovereign over through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and eternal life. You understand that grace is sovereign. Grace comes from God. Grace is over all things. Here's the second thing, though. It's exceeding. Not only is it sovereign, but it's exceeding. 2 Corinthians 9.14 says that by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Now when I say exceeding, what does that mean to you? In, a, in us country folks, what does it say? Over and above. Over and above. A whole lot more. Right? It's exceedingly, abundantly more than what we would ever need. That's grace. 
That's what God promises you and me. As we go through these terms, I know I'm just throwing out stuff and I'm trying to teach you some things here and, and you may know them, but I just want you to stick these words on your paper and in your mind so that you might be able to, to understand and, and really think about what grace is. It is sovereign from God and it is exceeding. It is more than we think of it. We talk about the grace of God. We talk about God in general and and it's just so flamboyant these days. But understand that the grace of God is not deserved. It's not deserved, yet He pours it out exceedingly, exceedingly over the believer. But it's even more than that. Not only is it sovereign and exceeding, but it's all sufficient. Now that's a word we need to remember, right? It is all sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Praise the Lord. Can we just stop right there? And praise the Lord that, that it is in our weakness that he is strong, and that it is his grace that is sufficient to get us through anything we might encounter on this earth. Therefore, most gladly, he says, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power. Paul says, I'd rather boast in how weak I am and how useless, if you will. I'm going to tell you something. For some of us, some of you may think really highly of yourself. That's okay, that's fine. I don't particularly like that. Me, I'd like to stay down here and, and just, I get in trouble a lot because I, I'll go home and I was like, oh, that sermon. Or, oh, I just, I don't feel like, I'm just not there. Something's, I'm just, why, why am I a preacher? Some of you may be asking that same question. <laughs> don't tell me about it, please. I don't feel like I have the strength or the power. I don't feel like I have the words to say. But God said that His grace is sufficient. Which means when I became a Christian, and I accepted Him as my Lord and my Savior, then He was going to provide for me the grace, the love, the compassion that I needed to do whatever He called me to do. All you need to do is go back to Oak Grove, Louisiana and look up some people or some of my old teachers and ask them, did you think Justin Cockle would ever be a pastor? And they're going to laugh because they're going to have some memories of Justin Cockle. They're going to have memories. I'll, I'll, I'll prove to you that, that it's efficient enough because I remember in high school when we were the pep rallies and all the stuff, that you stand up and do, and then as a senior, you're going to get up and talk. And I began to talk about coming and and um, and hanging out with us and, and supporting our team tomorrow night. We were playing that night. I couldn't get my words out. I couldn't. I didn't make sense. My wife was laughing. She wasn't my wife then, but she would became became. She still does because it's funny. 
that I cannot really have a conversation with other people hardly without bungling up my words, without doing things, but God's grace is sufficient. And so he's called me to preach, and now I stand in a pulpit preaching God's word, and it says right here that his grace is sufficient. I can stand in power because of that. You can stand in your classrooms and teach Sunday school. You can talk to that person on the side of the road that God has stopped you by and tell them about Jesus Christ. Not because you have power, not because you have knowledge, but because God's grace is sufficient for you to get you through what He's asking you to do. Can we believe that this morning? He is sovereign, or that grace is sovereign, it's exceeding, it's all sufficient, and thank the Lord it's all abundant. Look at Romans 5. 15. He says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of one, of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And you look at verse 17 in that same chapter. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, talking about Satan, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. We can let Satan have all the power he wants, but in my Bible, he's already defeated. Because my God, for those who love him, for those who know him, my God pours out grace that is all sufficient and it's abundant. Have you ever known God to do something just a little bit? That's not the God we serve. Our God stands ready to pour out blessing on you. Our God stands ready to pour out his love and compassion on you. All he's asking from us is to be obedient. Just walk in my ways. Just do what I've asked you to do. Just be obedient to what I've called you to do, and I'm going to pour out my grace on you. We've talked many times about persecution, and I believe, we having a discussion with some men the other day, I believe persecution of the church, we don't know anything about it, but it's coming. And one day, whether in my generation or the next or whenever, it's God's time, and one day persecution is going to hit Wortham, Texas. And that's okay. Why? Because we have the grace of God. Because God's pouring out His grace on us, and we're going to stand in the midst of that and move forward. He's not just pouring out some little cup of grace. I have this thought in my head that the, the wrath, can you imagine the cup that Jesus Christ took for us? The cup of wrath that was poured out on him, which was all of our sin, the whole world's sin, past, present, and future, that cup of wrath is poured out on us so that Jesus Christ turned around and will pour the same amount of grace right on you. Who does that but Jesus Christ? 
sovereign, exceeding, all-sufficient grace, abundant grace, and it is glorious. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Do not think that grace is not glorious. Grace is the most glorious thing, and it is poured out on us to those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He says, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, as in the the body of believers. So that's what grace is. I'm sure we could have gone on and on and on about different scriptures, but as I was going through, these things stood out at me. His the sovereignty of grace, the exceeding amount of grace, the all-sufficiency of grace, the all-abundancy of grace, the gloriousness of grace. But how do I get it? I mean, if, I, if, if we really think about all these things, is there anyone in this room that would raise your hands and say, I'll wait till next week, I don't really want that kind of grace in my life? No, we want it. And we want it now. I think you could probably answer this question, but God is the source of this grace. I think that's the first thing we need to understand. You're not going to get this kind of grace from your friends. You're not going to get this kind of grace from your teachers. You're not going to get this kind of grace from, from those you work with. This kind of grace has its source in God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no changing in that God. James says, Everything that comes from heaven is perfect. Every gift that we have Scripture speaks of grace as being a gift. These grace gifts as, as part of your spiritual gifts. All of this is bound up in the grace of God being poured out on you. If you have a gift from God, it's God's grace pouring out on you. If you have a gift of anything from the Lord above, it is grace. And it comes from God. But you're saying you haven't answered my question yet. How? Do we get it? I think many of you already know the answer. The source of this grace is God, but Christ imparts that grace to believers. Some of you may be saying, oh, it's a Baptist church. You're talking about imparting stuff on people. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Christ Jesus John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Live by the law if you want to. Live the way of Moses if you want to, but Christ, by dying on the cross, imparted to us at our acceptance of his work grace and truth. That's what you get with Jesus Christ. We as Christians, we as a people, 
we try to get so many things from others. We want other people's thoughts about how great we are. We want, we want to know. I, mean, I go to my wife every Sunday. I kind of look at her. Sermon, sermon, how was it? Why? Because I want my wife's, I want her to, to think highly of me. We, it's, it's in us. It's what we want. We want people to say, oh, you're such an... So any of you that walk out of here and say, great sermon, I ain't believing none of it, okay? Because you're just saying that because I said this. But we all like to hear that we're doing great things, but we don't do it without the grace of God. It's impossible. I want my wife's approval. But I don't have to have it. Because Christ has imparted grace on me. And that grace and truth that I get from Christ means that no matter what I feel, no matter what I'm going through, if I open, the, for me, if I open the Word of God and begin to speak the Word of God, His Word is true and it will not come back void. And so there it's not me again, it's God and His Word. And I feel quite blessed to be used of God to do so. But God will do that to each and every one of us. If we would take a moment and begin to think, first this, am I truly a Christian? Do I really know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? That is the only way to know the grace of God. You want to tap into the grace of God? You want to tap into His mercy? You want to tap into His power? You want to, you want to tap into to what God has for you in your life? You better get to know Him. And I don't mean like I knew Him for several years, 28 to be exact. I mean know Him. I mean understand that I am nothing without Him. That's a decision. Can I just stop for a moment and throw some praise out to maybe encourage you. JT and them came back from camp, five saved. Five young people decided that I need some of the grace God's got. In VBS, we had three in JT's group decide I need some of God's great grace. We had four in VBS from Linnell's group in her Bible study. Then they decided, I need some of God's grace. I need to know him in a very special way. Big times. I had one at our camp up in Arkansas with a very small group. What am I forgetting? Isn't there more, JT? There's got to be more. Oh, Kinley. Kinley goes to camp and accepts Jesus. Folks, God's moving. God is moving and He's pouring out His grace on the young people. He is moving in their hearts. And they are accepting His work on the cross. And they are dying to self. You know what scares me more than anything? What are they going to learn? Are they going to see adults that rely on the grace of God to get through every day? Or are they going to see adults that rely on themselves? 
Are they going to see adults that, that throw away all things for others? That put themselves second? Are they going to see adults who only look out for themselves? Folks, God is doing a great work. Revival is happening in the hearts of several people. And God is moving and he is bringing folks to the throne. And it is our job as a church to train them up. Amen? And let me tell you something. You step into those shoes. We're, we're filling. We're doing our nominating committee and we're filling all those spots. I sure hope you're called to do what you agreed to do. Because if you're not called, you're not going to rely on His grace. And if you don't have His grace, you're going to struggle. I should have named this sermon. It's all about that grace. It's a little too much, isn't it? A little too much. I hope you've been blessed this morning. I hope you at least think about the grace of God. If not that we're unworthy, but just how amazing it is that God would love us so much to provide it for us. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you know each and every heart in this room. And Father, you know those that have truly accepted you as their Lord and Savior, and we just give thanks and praise for that. Father, we give thanks and praise for these young ones that have given their lives to Christ, and we ask... Father, that as a group of believers, as a family of believers, that you help us to now train them up, to plug them in, to provide the structure that is needed. Father, even in that, we can't do it without your wonderful grace. Father, if there's anyone in this room that's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's never been a time in their life that they just simply quit living for themselves. And they've confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And they've believed in their heart that he, he died and he rose again. And he did all that to save us. Well, if there's anyone in this room that's never done that, that's never had that point, Father, would you draw them to you today? What a wonderful way it would be to end a service with someone accepting you as their Lord and their Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray.